<laughs> Good morning, everyone. Hi, welcome to Grace Church. Hey, uh, I'm Pastor Jimmy. Pastor Emily is over here. No voice. She's been sick, uh, but she can wave at you and hug you. We're glad that you are back. We have missed you this week. God, as I said, we are grateful to be in this place. I was thinking this morning about all the blessings that we have, like heat in our homes, <laughs> heat in our places of worship. And I know that there are places in the world right now that cannot meet this morning because uh, they don't have some of those same things that we have. And because we're so used to it, Lord, uh, we don't think twice about it. And so we just want to pause this morning and just thank you for modern conveniences, for the, the comfortable lives that we have here. Lord, it's been a heck of a week. We have had uh, folks uh, that we love pass away. Uh, we have had uh, folks that we love who have been sick, trying to get better. Uh, we have had Veterans Day services, and we have had uh, funerals, and we have had uh, meetings and gatherings and conversations. And sometimes in the busyness of life, we don't pause to remember that you are with us always, everywhere everywhere that we go, that we, we just get so wrapped up in things. And sometimes in the midst of that, we uh, act out in ways that are contrary to what you would have for us. We do things both intentionally and unintentionally. We leave things undone. Lord, we just want to confess that to you right now because we don't want anything to stand in the way between uh, hearing a word from you today uh, worshiping in your presence. We don't, we don't want anything that we've done to hinder that. And so we just, we just confess that and lay that out before you. We ask that you'd cleanse us from all of our sin and unrighteousness. Lord, as we carry also these burdens in, some of these things that I've been talking about this morning, concerns that we have, we don't want that to stand in the way either. And so we want to call out to you uh, names and situations as a community, we're going to ask you to hear our prayer, and we pray that you would take these uh, and do good things in each and every situation. Hear now the names that we call out, Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 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 Donna Kilroy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, 
Lord, we also lift up our denomination. We lift up our conference. Uh, we lift up our outgoing bishop and our incoming bishop. Uh, we lift up our a meeting that we will be having on December 3rd as we say goodbye to uh, many of our brothers and sisters who are leaving the denomination. We pray that you would fill us with uh, patience and love and understanding and as much unity as we can have in times like these. Uh, we know that you have called us to that, uh, that this is the higher calling and the, uh, the way that you would have us live. And so we want to have mutual love and respect for each other. Uh, we thank you for uh, the work that we have been able to accomplish as a church. Uh, we pray that you would shine brightly in and through us, especially now as we um, look around and we'll shortly find ourselves as the only United Methodist Church in all of Anderson County. Uh, that is a big challenge for us, uh, but we are up to the task. We thank you for this calling. I thank you for this group of people in this room right now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hi, kids. Hi, everybody. Stacy, it might be ringing just a little bit. Maybe. Hi, everybody. Hi. Okay, I've got a, a trick question for you, and it's a trick because there's... Only one right answer. Here's the question. Who is the greatest superhero ever? God. Connor? Uh, Jesus, God. Okay, like, but like comic book superhero. Uh, oh, obviously Iron Man. Iron Man? Uh, okay. Iron Man. Who? Your grandma. She's, in, she's got a comic book? Yes. No, but she's I didn't know that. I'm going to have to get that. She's my superhero. Definitely. But who's your favorite comic book superhero? None? You don't read them? You don't know any of them? Who? Aquaman is one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who? Thor? Okay. Bro, give me a five. Look, listen. Everybody here is naming Marvel characters. DC, right? DC. Yes. Okay, the correct answer is Superman. Superman is the greatest superhero ever. Yeah, ever. Okay, listen. Listen, here's why Superman is the greatest. Here's why Superman is the greatest. Because Superman was the only son of Kal-El sent to Earth to save the people. He is the only, only superhero whose disguise is no disguise at all, right? He has to look like a human. That's his disguise because when he's naturally in his natural habitat, he's a superhero. Glasses. He wears glasses, right, because that, for some reason, the people don't recognize him. It's still me, everybody, right? <laughs> um, but I was thinking this morning about we're going to read a scripture passage today in which the prophet Micah says three things that God wants. More than anything else, three things that's, that God wants. God wants us to... Love each other. Well, yes. So love mercy. That's one of them. Love kindness. Be kind toward each other. Do justice. Now, Superman is the leader of the Justice League, right? The Justice League. And to walk humbly before God. Now, I think Superman, of all the superheroes, 
does not get puffed up. He is a pretty humble guy, I think. He's always looking out for the little people. So he's making sure that, that, that the little old ladies are crossing the street. He'll even stop and help rescue a cat out of a tree. I mean, Batman doesn't do that. Thor doesn't stop for kitty cats. Only Superman. Batman just shoots grapplers. Yeah. That's all he does. That's all he does. And he's angry all the time. So, the correct answer is Superman, but <laughs> it's just a fact. Superman's the best. He didn't kill Joker. That's in an alternate universe. That one doesn't count. Spider-Man's cool. Yeah. But... Okay, this is getting out of control. Okay, this is getting out of hand. We've got to get back to the lesson. Okay, all right, listen, listen. Here's what I want to know. You guys are rambunctious this morning. What does it mean when, when, when God says, I want you to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly? What do you guys think that means? What does it mean to do justice? What is, what is justice? Be kind. Justice is making sure that, that nobody's fallen through the cracks, right? We don't want people who are taking advantage of other people, and we want to make sure that, that everybody is accounted for and taken care of. That's justice. What does it mean to love kindness? To be kind. What does it mean to be kind? To be nice. To be patient with each other. Patient, nice. Yeah. Sometimes... Sometimes I wake up grumpy, and my family has to be kind to me until I get out of my grumpy mood. Or, you know, just my dad right. in the kitchen run out of his Wait, kitchen. what were you going to say about your dad? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes uh, when I'm trying to play Tickle Monster with him, yeah. he always minds. He minds? Whines. Oh, he whines. <laughs> he doesn't laugh. He's supposed to laugh when you're tickling him. Okay, and then... To be humble, what does it mean to be humble? Oh, what? Um, it's like, like me. Satisfied? Okay, maybe sat, like satisfied with who you are, who God, who God says you are, right? Yeah. Don't, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't get puffed up inside and go, well, I'm all that in a bag of chips, right? Humble is to be like, I am, I am a servant of Jesus just like you are, right? No. Now. That's what humble means. It's true. So we want to um, pray this morning that God would make us uh, as, as honorary members of the Justice League and that God would help us to be kind and to be humble. Okay, Connor? Okay, Judah? Okay, let's pray. God, we are grateful for uh, superheroes and we're thankful for Micah's reminder that what you really, really want is for us to love justice, to love kindness, and to be humble. So we pray that you would help us do that. Judah, are you still talking? Please be quiet. Lord, we ask that you bless our families, bless our friends, bless our pets, and please continue to bless this awesome church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can go back and sit with your parents, or you can go to class, whichever you choose. Class, class, class. Walk. Walk humbly before your God.
Yeah. Our scripture this morning uh, comes from the prophet Micah. Uh, we're going to talk about him a little bit later. I think this is still ringing a little bit, Stacy. Okay. I'm going to move it down just a little bit. Um, it's kind of chopped up reading today, though, so bear with me, because we're going to be a little bit in chapter 1, a little bit in chapter 5, and a little bit in chapter 6. And I'm going to start in verse 2, even though the text begins in verse 3. Hear you peoples, all of you, listen, O earth, and all that is in it, and let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For lo, the Lord is coming out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. Then the mountains will melt under him and the valleys will burst open like wax near the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. All this is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, you who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord." in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure, for now he shall be, a, be, he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? A word from God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Well, let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen and amen. Today we are talking about good news and bad news. Here's my question. If somebody says to you, I've got good news and bad news, which do you want to hear first? Does everybody agree on bad? No, Gene's shaking his head. You want good news first? Good news first. A lot of people are saying bad, though. Why is that? I, I want bad news, too. I think I want the bad news so that the good news takes a little bit of the sting out. Just, just like, rip the Band-Aid off, tell me what's bad, then give me the good news, and that helps kind of cover the wound a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> now, if you had your choice of only good news or only bad news for the rest of your life, which would you choose? No brainer. Give me the good news. I don't want any bad. It hurts too much. We are uh, hanging out with the prophet Micah today. Now, you need to know that the prophet Micah uh, was around about 740 years before Jesus, okay, just to give you the time frame of where we are. Last week, we talked about how the, the kingdoms of Israel, or the kingdom of Israel, split into two. 
having issues today. Mm. Uh, because Solomon's son just really kind of drove a wedge with taxes and, and uh, uh, working projects, labor uh, practices, split the kingdom in two, north and south. And they each had their own kingdoms, their own king, their own centers of worship. One was in Samaria, the other one was in Jerusalem. And Micah lived somewhere in between there. We, he, lived at, he was a rural guy, lived in a little town, uh, out in, in, way away from the, those two centers of worship. It was a farming community, so it, it's possible that Micah was a farmer. And about 740 years before Jesus came, uh, Micah felt compelled to deliver a series of criticisms that were aimed at both kingdoms and both centers of worship. Micah was a prophet. Now, when, when you think of prophet, do you think of like Nostradamus, future-telling, fortune-telling kind of a deal? That's not what prophets were, at least in biblical times. Prophets were those who felt that they had a message to deliver that really kind of burned inside of them. This was from God. This is what God wants you to hear. And if I don't tell you, uh, it's going to just consume me. And so I've got I've to deliver the message to you. And they were a series of warnings and critiques about how things needed to be changed and fixed. So prophets really were bearers of bad news. That's what they had, bad news. So you might imagine prophets weren't very popular, right? We all said in here, if, if I could just have one, give me the good news. We don't like the bad news. Prophets were not that popular. And Micah's list, we didn't get to get into it in, in the text today, but his list of grievances is big. It's really big. I mean, it's a seven-chapter long book, but he, he says some stuff in here, and it's kind of hard to hear. He says that both the north and the south have turned away from God. Both, uh, both kingdoms have idols that they're bowing down to. They are calling upon the names of other gods in their worship. He says that the rich have gotten richer off the backs of the poor. Uh, he said, y'all have been evicting widows from their homes and off their land, and you're stealing the inheritance from the children by doing that. He says, all you other prophets uh, that work in these, these uh, centers of, uh, uh, you know, big uh, centers of worship, these big metropolitan areas, y'all are just saying, you're going around saying everything is well, all is well, because they're feeding you and they're paying you. And so you're not delivering any bad news at all. You're just, you're just it's all fluff. He says, uh, the judges who, who rule over the people are taking bribes uh, so that they get the outcomes that they want. That never happens today, right? Uh, he says that uh, the priests who are supposed to attend to everybody, right? That's what a priest does. The priests are, are only hanging out with the people that have cash. Money talks, so that's where they're hanging out. He says that the leaders... Uh, uh, of both kingdoms are practicing and perfecting war, training the sons of Israel to fight for gain. I could go on, but you probably get the picture. Micah, as a rural farmer, is not a fan of big government. He is not a fan of centralized power or abuses of power. And as a farmer, a little guy from a little town, he's going to talk out and speak out against it because he believes that both kingdoms had forgotten the two things that matter most to God. Love God and love neighbor. You're failing on both of them, all of you. You're, you're dropping the ball. And because of this, Micah says, God is going to unleash terror from the north. 
and it's going to come down and it's not going to be pretty and it's going to start in the northern kingdom and make its way to the southern kingdom. This is the, the message of his book. Not a real happy book to be reading. And the way that he describes it, like wax melting near a, a flame, like water rushing down a mountain. Destruction. This is the picture that he's painting. And I remember hearing, you know, in seminary, uh, I, I went in thinking, okay, prophets are ones who tell the future. This is what, when we talk about prophecies, we're talking about uh, uh, people who foretold the future. When I started learning that actually prophets are the bearers of bad news, then immediately I thought, okay, wait a minute. Does that mean that folks who speak out against sin and preach doom and gloom all the time, are they prophets? Does that mean that Westboro Baptists are prophets? I asked my, my professor this in Old Testament. You guys know who Westboro Baptist is, right? They're this church that go out of their way to go around the country and they, uh, they go to funerals and they go to sporting events and they carry these signs. Signs that I really can't even tell you what they say because they're so awful. But they say things like, um, God hates fill in the blank, whatever that blank is that you fill in. Or fill in the blank will burn because of their sin. Right? They're not very nice messages, not very nice signs, and they, go, they make it their point to go all over the country and do this. And I thought, okay, well, they're doing it. They're delivering bad news, like, like hard-to-hear stuff, and so does that mean they're prophets? And my, my Old Testament professor said, no, 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 no. No, they're not prophets, and here's why. It is true that prophets deliver hard-to-hear news, but they always do it with empathy and sorrow. They always do it with a sense of, I don't want to see this happen. It's not that the prophets wanted the people to get what they had coming to them. It, it was that they hoped that their message would jar people enough to re-examine their lives and do a 180 in light of it. Not only that, but the prophets always went down with the ship. Their message was, God is going to do this to us if we don't do something different, if we don't change our ways. Prophets were fully immersed into the people that they were preaching to. So it wasn't like Westboro where they went out and said, you all, they said, we, we have some changes to make. We have some things we need to re-examine. In addition to that, when you start to study the prophets like Micah, they always, always, always bring a word of good news. They always preach something in their message that is a message of hope and comfort to take away the sting of the bad news. They're not just about delivering bad news. They want to give you the good news too. Now Micah's bad news is this. If something doesn't change, Assyria and Babylon are coming. And it's going to be like a flood. And it's not going to be pretty. But here's the good news. God is going to raise up a new king. And this new king is going to come from the little town of Bethlehem. And he will be like David, who was hand-chosen by God and was a mere shepherd when he was chosen by God. He says this king won't be a warrior king. He will be a shepherd king. And he will lay down his life for the sheep. And he will have a heart for leading God's people like the flock that it is. And he will bring peace by leading in this way. And this king would bring back the north and the south once again, this, this terrible divorce that has happened. 
He's going to bring them back and reconcile them. And in fact, all the nations of the world will stream to him because of the peace that he brings. And of course, our first question would be, well, when is this king going to come? Well, Micah didn't say. He didn't give us that information. The second question would probably be, well, is there a way to avoid the bad news that you delivered? Is there a way to get out of this bad part of it? I thought about Scrooge on, on a, a Christmas carol, right on the last ghost, and he sees his, his gravestone. He says, please tell me that this can be avoided. Please tell me there is something that I can do. And the ghost says nothing, silent, right? This is how Micah is, silent. But he does give some information, some prophetic advice. Micah says, you know, what I would suggest, rather than bring all your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, rather than bringing thousands of rams and pouring out olive oil, rather than slaughtering your goats and your sheep and your pigeons or whatever it is that you want to do, my advice would be just to do what you already know. Do what God has already shown you, and that is to live justly. As we said to the kids, quit cheating others. Stand up for the oppressed. Do the right thing. The second is to love kindness, to treat each other with respect, to be compassionate and forgiving and patient. And the third is to walk humbly before God. Don't puff yourself up. Don't get all high and mighty. Stay humble and be nice to each other. Micah says, this is what God wants over and above any sacrifice that you can bring. It's easy to, be a, to bring a sacrifice. It's harder to live this way. I guess it's always been the case, but it seems prevalent today that there are a lot of leaders out there that preach just the bad news. You've seen them on YouTube. You've seen them on Facebook. Those preachers that just have messages of doom and gloom, right? Pounding the pulpit, fire and brimstone, those kind of preachers. And I understand it because, really, fear is a pretty strong motivator. If I can scare you into thinking something bad is going to happen, I might be able to get you to do what I want you to do as a preacher. And so I, I understand that. It, it's worked well for people. But then you have these other leaders that, that only preach the fluff. Now, I'm not going to name any names, but there's a certain mega pastor down in Houston that's got a nice smile. <laughs> what are you all laughing for? You don't know who I'm talking about. And he's got messages of, God loves you. God is so happy. Right? And, and his church is packed in. Why? Because we like the good news. We don't want to hear the bad news. We'd much rather sit in a place where we're kind of covered with a warm blanket of good news. And so he packs them in. But see, hearing only bad news all the time is probably not a good thing because one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to kill the messenger or you're going to stop listening after a while. Because fear can only take you so far. Hearing only good news, though, doesn't do us any good either. Because we benefit in hearing the hard news of the places we've failed and the ways in which we need to re-examine our lives and change. 
And I think that a, a true prophet, a, a, a true word from God, whether you call that a prophet or not, a true word of God should contain both messages of reform and hope, of potential consequences and grace. And if you've got a message that's one or the other all the time, it's probably not the word of God. I love how Micah ends his very short letter, very brave of him as, a, as a, just a farmer, a simple farmer to take on these centers of power. I mean, these are, these are big people, and, and really, they have no reason to listen to Micah. We'll see next week that part of what he says actually happens, and I think that's the reason we have Micah's writings today, because then they went, oh, maybe we should have listened to this guy. But his very short letter, seven chapters, this is how he ends. This is how he ends his oracle. He says, Where is the God who can compare with you, wiping the slate clean of guilt, turning a blind eye, a deaf ear, to the past sins of your purged and precious people? You don't nurse your anger and you don't stay angry long, for mercy is your specialty. That's what you love most. And compassion is on its way to us. You'll stamp out our wrongdoing. You'll sink our sins to the bottom of the ocean. You'll stay true to your word to Father Jacob and continue the compassion you showed Grandfather Abraham. Everything you promised our ancestors from a long time ago. You see, Micah can preach some hard-to-hear stuff. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how bad we mess up how far off track we get. For Micah, grace always gets the last word. And I think that's important to know. For Micah, bad news first, but then the good news, because grace always gets the last word. You see, God loves us enough to tell us the truth about our faults, but God also tempers that with grace because he remembers our fragile condition. He knows that we are prone to wander. God remembers that. So he tells us the things we need to hear, but he never abandons us. He's always faithful to the things that he promised. And this is part of the reason that in my benediction now I've changed. If you've noticed, I've been saying something to the effect of God loves you perfectly just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. I think that is the message of the prophet Micah and the other prophets as we begin to explore them leading up to Christmas. And I'm not going to ruin it for you, um, but Christmas is coming and we might have an idea of who that king out of Bethlehem will be. No spoilers. No spoilers. But folks, may we be the kind of people that have hearts and ears and minds that are willing to take the bad news, that we don't shove it aside because it's not the message that we don't want to hear. Like, I don't want to hear that. Just give me the good. May we be willing to take the bad, to reexamine our lives and make the changes that we need to make, and then to cling to the hope that the prophet gives as well because there's always that glimmer, that good news of hope. May we be those people. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
I hope that uh, this is helpful for you as we go forward into this week. Will you grab the hand of the person next to you and receive this blessing? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved, you are completely forgiven, and you are uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. As you do, you're probably going to make some mistakes because we all do. But I need you to know when you make those mistakes, there's nothing, nothing you can do that would make God love you any less because God's love for you is not dependent upon your performance. It's rooted in His amazing grace. And it is by grace that He says, Beloved, I love you just where you are, exactly as you are. But I love you too much to leave you there. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.